morning, everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas, belated, and uh, Happy New Year. Uh, so good to see everybody this morning. Just a couple announcements as we get forward, uh, as we go forward. I don't know what I said, get forward. Anyway, go going forward. Uh, we do have our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock, a uh, better way to pray. And then not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, which will be the 11th, we'll be resuming our Bible study in Pasadena on the 11th, and that's at 7.30 p.m. We'll hear more about that uh, next week and as we get closer to that. But uh, uh, as far as announcements, uh, we're, we're officially done with our, our uh, seasonal schedule for Christmas and the holidays and whatnot. I did want to do one thing that I don't normally do every week, but I wanted to pray over the offering this morning, being this is our last Sunday for 2019. And uh, they're not completed because we're not completely done with 2019, but I've started doing uh, contribution letters and, and statements and whatnot, and, and so this is just going to be representing all of our, all of our donations uh, and partnerships this year. And so I just like to pray over that. And I, I, I kind of do that every 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 year. It's just something I like to do, and uh, take it or leave it. But uh, I just want to pray, pray blessing over that. <clears throat> now, since we started, uh, this is our fifth year. Over two two hundred nineteen thousand dollars have come through, and we started with nothing. And here we are in our fifth year, and uh, we started actually December 7th, 2014, as far as the church is concerned. And so here we are, and Lord, we just give you thanks. We thank you for each of these persons who have, have uh, donated and partnered with us financially, as well as many others who have partnered with us in many other uh, emotional and prayerful ways. And Lord, we just thank you for each person. And Lord, I just speak you a blessing on abundance uh, on each of these people, the seed that they've sown. I thank you for multiplying the seed that they sow, not only for them, but also for this ministry. Just as you gave thanks for the, the loaves and the bread to feed the 5,000, Lord, I thank you for multiplying the seed, uh, not only for this year, but also uh, not only for this church, but for each of them that have given uh, for the year to come and the years to come. And we just thank you for that. We thank you for that seed that's in the ground, and we thank you that it will produce, according to your word, a multiple harvest. And we worship you, and we exalt you, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. All right. And one other announcement as we end, uh, <coughs> as we end my announcements, we do have our Bible classes again on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. They're free. You just need to simply register, and we get you started. Okay? Anyway, so without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and get our message this morning. We've been talking the last several weeks about in Christ realities. We're on lesson eight this week. I didn't know we'd go this long, but uh, here we are on lesson eight, and I've still got some more ground to cover, uh, at, least two, at least two more weeks probably, on this subject in Christ realities. So if you go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and we'll get started this morning. Romans chapter 12. And we'll begin with verse 1. Romans 12, beginning with verse 1, it says, Paul says, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We've been talking in Christ realities over the last few weeks. 
we started the first session of this, uh, first few lessons of this, uh, this series on talking about our identity in Christ and, 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 and uh, realizing that identity in Christ. We've been spending the last couple of weeks on, on talking about uh, uh, realizing that identity uh, and uh, renewing our mind to that identity. We need to no longer be conformed to this world, the pattern, the mold of this world, but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That word renew means to renovate. We need to renovate a mind. We need to change what we're focused on. Based on the revelation of our identity in Christ, we need to renew our mind to who we are. And we need to start, and then the last part of this verse says, that you may prove, that you may walk out, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How many of you want to know and to walk in the perfect will of God? And as you know, first of all, you've got to know your identity. You've got to renew your mind to that. And then the, the, the third part, which we're going to start getting into today, is we need to walk in that identity. We need to walk as we really are. We were, when we were born again, we were regenerated, meaning we were regenerated into Christ. And we, were, we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. There's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament talking about who we are in Christ Jesus. We have been totally regenerated. We have become a whole new creation in Christ Jesus. We need a revelation of that, and we need to renew our mind to that, and then we need to start walking in who we are. We need to walk it out. We need to live it out. See, many have received their new identity, but they have not realized who they are in Christ. They're born again. Praise God. That's more, the most important thing. But, but for us, for this to be effective, they need to renew their minds of who they are in Christ Jesus. Philemon 1.6 says this, that the communication of your faith become effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. Your faith will not become effectual until you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. We need to acknowledge that. We need to realize that. We need to renew our mind to that. And we need to start walking that out. When, with the renewed mind, we can prove, we can walk out the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, renewing your mind is not just cramming your brain with scriptural facts. We need the scriptural facts. We need the, we need the doctrine. We need the apostles' doctrine as the early church was committed themselves steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We need to know scripture. It will help. But without the renewing of my mind, we will not think like God thinks. I want to think like God thinks. I want to see myself as God sees myself. I want to see others as God sees them. I want to see God as He truly is. I want to see my circumstances and my situation as God sees them. I want to think like He thinks. If you renew your mind, you will think as God thinks. You will think how you will see Him as He really is. You will see yourself as you really are. You will see others as they really are. And you will see your circumstances as they really are. Go with me real quick to James chapter 1. And we'll pick it up verse 18. And James says this, Of his own, talking about Jesus, will he, and God, will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creations. God brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be the first fruits 
of his creation. He brought us forth by the word of truth. Go, go down with me to verse 21, 25. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive the meekness of the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Verse 25, skip down for me. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, that this one will be blessed in what he does. There's a lot here. We, we talked on this one a couple weeks ago. But we are born of the word of God. We're not born of incorruptible, I mean, incorruptible seed. We're born again of incorruptible seed by the word of God. And we need to renew our mind to who we are in Christ Jesus. And as we continue looking, not walking in filthiness, not walking in lewdness and lasciviousness, not walking in immorality, that's who we were. We were in darkness, but we've been translated into his dear son. We've been translated to the light. And we're going to get into some of that in, just, in a few moments. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, Christ has set us free by the word of God. He has set us free by the cross. And if we will continue in it and not be a forgetful hearer of who we are and what we are, we will be blessed in what we do. We will know and improve the perfect will of God. Am I making sense so far? This is just kind of an introductory and a little bit of a recap of what we've been talking about the last few weeks to set the stage of where we're going. Again, we've been talking about at length uh, who we are and being born again. We have not necessarily exhausted that. But we've been, I've been trying to lay a foundation over and over and over again with who we are when we became born again. We are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And when we realize that, when we renew our mind to that identity, we need to begin to walk that out. We need to begin to live that out. And that's what we're going into this morning. Okay? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we'll pick it up in verse 6. And I'm going to toggle over to the King James. Colossians 2, verse 6. We're going to start with the King James. It says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. It says, I love this. We've been, we've been taught, I've taught on this many times. We've been taught this a lot in Terrence Bible College by our director, Ryan May. But as ye therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We're focusing in this, this last section of our series on in Christ realities about walking in him. We've, been, we've laid the foundation of who we are in Christ. We've, laid, we've been laying the foundation of renewing our mind to who we are. Now that we know who we are in Christ Jesus, let's walk it out. Let's live like we really are. Let's be who we really are. Does that make sense? Let's walk this out. But it says here, as ye therefore have received Christ Jesus. How many of you have received Christ Jesus? Did you receive Christ Jesus by your performance? By what you did? And so you became worthy enough to receive Christ Jesus? Or did Jesus do the work for you at the cross? He who knew no sin became sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. All you did is hear the gospel, believe the gospel, receive the gospel, and you were saved. The same way that you receive Christ Jesus is the exact same way you walk in Him. 
We, so much religious Christianity has made uh, walking in Him different than receiving Christ. They, they've made receiving Christ by, by faith in His grace, but then they, they've made walking in Him your performance. No, it doesn't work that way. The same way you receive Christ Jesus is the exact same way you walk this Christian life out. Okay? And in case you didn't, you know, the word, the word walk can also be translated abide. Jesus said this way, abide in me and my words and ask what you will and, and, and it'll be done for you. I actually chopped that up. But if we abide in him, his word abides in us, we, we can't do anything unless we abide in him. We can't do anything unless we abide in the vine. The, a branch on a tree cannot produce fruit on its own. It produces fruit because it abides in the vine. It's abiding in the roots. It's abiding in the seed, that the seed, the source, the root, the, 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 the sap, the life of that tree is thrown to the conduit of that branch and it's producing fruit. We cannot produce fruit. We cannot walk out and prove the good and perfect acceptable will of God if we don't abide in Him. We need to know who we are. We need to abide in Him and walk in Him. But even if you didn't know what the word walk means, I love the King James because there's a colon right here at the end of verse 6. Colon tells me that Paul is going to expand on what this walking in him looks like. That would be how the, the, the grammar works. This is how we, how we do it. Excuse me for walking back and forth here. But we walk in him by being rooted and built up in who? Him. We're talking about in Christ's realities. It's not, it's not a fantasy. It's not Christianese language. It's not uh, some Christian jargon. We are in Christ Jesus. And in the same way we receive Christ is the same way we walk in Him, abide in Him, by being rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. The communication of faith because effectual, as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. Excuse me about that. We were being rooted and built up and established in the faith as ye have been taught. And I'm not here to offend anybody, but some of us have been taught wrong. If we, we just have been taught wrong. We've been taught through religion and through Christian religion and through philosophies, and we've been taught wrong. But we need to be rooted and grounded in, and built up in Him, established in the faith. That's in Christ Jesus. Where does faith come from? By hearing the word of God. By being hearing and hearing the word of God. And we need to be grounded. We need to be established. Our faith shall be established. Because the just, the righteous, shall live by his faith. Am I making any sense this morning? Okay? Sorry, I'm just trying to catch up with myself here. I want to move on to verse 8, which I haven't really studied verse 8 many times, but I read this the other day, and it just it goes with it. But it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That's huge. Don't be don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some people, they meant well, but they have been taught philosophy. 
They've been taught man's philosophy. They've been taught vain deceit. They've been taught the traditions of man. They've been taught the rudiments of the world and not Christ. We teach Christ. We teach, as Paul said, I preach Christ and Him crucified. We are preaching Christ, the power of God, the will of God, the wisdom of God. That makes sense? I'm fired up this morning because I, I want to live this. I don't want this just to be words on a page. I'm not interested in just doing church so we have a nice service and beautiful service and whatnot. I want this Christianity to work. I want life to work. We are different in the world. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are the children of God. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the fullness of God, the Godhead in us bodily. We'll get into that in a few minutes. It's right here, next verse. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of God bodily. And ye are complete in him, Christ, which is the head of all principality and power. I'll get to this part in just a moment. But we don't need to follow the traditions of this world. I'm not here to offend people. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm trying to magnify God. I'm trying to magnify the word. I'm trying to magnify who you are in Christ. So you renew your mind to it and begin to walk it out. Begin to live like you really are. You know, it's going to be hard for you to walk it out and live like you really are if you haven't renewed your mind to the, the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus. That makes sense? Okay? Go to me real quick. I'm going to toggle here to Mark chapter 7. Verse 13, and Jesus said this regarding traditions. I want to toggle back to the New King James. He says, Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down in many such things. Anyway, Jesus is saying, and I know I'm picking up in the middle of the context here, but Jesus says that by our traditions, we make the word of God of no effect. I want I am not here to attack attack traditions just in and of themselves. But if I will if I continue to renew my mind to the traditions of man, the philosophy of man, I can make the word of God of no effect in my life. Regarding my health, regarding my finances. Regarding my relationships, regarding my marriage, regarding parenting, regarding whatever area in my life. I, church, do we want the Word of God to be effect in our lives? Do we want Jesus to be, have effect in our lives? Do we want our faith to be effectual? Then we need to renew our mind. And if the traditions of man, the philosophy of man, the rudiments of this world do not line up with the Word of God, then guess which one? God, let God be true, and every man a liar. Amen? Amen or oh me. Okay? But we need to know the word of God. We, if, we need to, if, if we meditate on the same things that the world meditates on, we will have the same results as the world. We can know the scriptural facts, but in our mind, if we're meditating, on the traditions of man, and not the word of God. 
and it becomes our most dominant thought. And we think and we dwell and we have the same diet. A few weeks ago I was talking about having a diet of the Word of God. We have to have a diet of good teaching. If where you're being taught, if what you're listening to, if what you're meditating on, day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, is the same thing that the world is. Going nowhere. Poor as a church mouse. Doing nothing. Being effective. If we meditate on the same things the world meditates on, we are no different. And we will, we will have the same results as the world. See, all the promises of God are contrary to what the world is receiving. All the promises of God are yes and in Him, amen, to, to the glory of God by us, it says in 1 Corinthians 1.20. Most of us are feeding on the same information the world is feeding on. And we are not of the world. We are born of God. We are in Christ. And we're feeding on the same information of the world. Brothers, that should not be. That should not be. We do not, we do not want what the world says. We don't want what the world has. As our main source of information. The world should not be our main source of information. Facebook. Social media. And especially the news. That's not even news anymore. Should not be our main source of information. We need to abide in God. We need to abide in His Word. We need to be built up in Him. <coughs> we need to get our information from God. We need to feed on His Word and be fed by His Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. <coughs> Excuse me. We need, and we need to keep renewing our mind and manifest His life in our bodies. And everywhere, which way? Am I make, making sense this morning? Going back to Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 For in him dwelleth all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus said this way, John 14 9, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus revealed the Father to us, Jesus revealed the will of the Father to us. Everything Jesus did was of the Father. Jesus had abiding in his Father. Jesus did nothing in his life and ministry without spending time with the Father. Folks, that's huge. Jesus models what abiding in him looks like. We shouldn't do anything, even our normal jobs, even our normal tasks around the house, even our normal things without consulting the Father. We need to spend our whole, our whole life depends on our relationship with God. I don't think we should be all heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. But at the same point in time, I believe we need to be totally heavenly minded so we can be of any earthly value. That makes sense? We're the head and not the tail. We're the children of God. We have the answer that all man is looking for. Whether it be acceptance, whether it be health. Whether it be finances and provision, the economy of God is far better than the economy of this world. Rust and moth and nothing can corrupt it. The, the wisdom of God is better than the wisdom of this world. There are two different kinds of wisdom. I talked about that earlier this year. You can look down in our archives. But there's two kinds of wisdom. I don't want the wisdom of this world. That sensual, earthly, and demonic. I want the wisdom of God. 
Verse 10 says, and ye are complete in him. It doesn't say you will be complete. You are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over death. Jesus is Lord over demons. Jesus is Lord over sickness. Jesus is Lord over lack. Jesus is Lord over the storms of life. Jesus is Lord over the fish and your provision. Jesus is Lord over the weather. Jesus is Lord over the grave. Jesus is Lord of all. And I want to abide in my Lord. I want to submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee. Turn me with me real quick. To Revelation chapter 1. Revelation 1, picking up verse 18, says this, and I want to talk back to the New King James. It says, I, Jesus is speaking, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Praise God. Amen. Jesus just said amen to what he just said. I am alive forevermore. He says, and I have the keys of Hades, meaning hell, and of death. Jesus has the keys. He lives forevermore. He is alive. And we are in him who is alive. We are in him who has the keys over hell and death, the grave. We surrender to His Lordship. He's our Savior, yes. But He's also our Lord. And we surrender to His Lordship. So we can walk this victory out in the earth. He didn't just give us victory so we have a nice little badge of courage. He didn't give us this victory, this victory over death so we can just go to heaven and not hell. Praise God for that. But He also gave us this victory. So that we can execute his victory in the earth. He redeemed us by his blood. Revelation chapter 5 verses 9 10. So that we could be kings and priests. Reigning in the earth. We have a job to do. We have a mission to do. We have a commission to do. To go make disciples of all nations. To heal the sick. To raise the dead. To cast out demons. It's time for us church to wake up. And realize who we are. And do and become who we are in Christ Jesus. Am I making sense this morning? So many people are focused on the devil. And yes, there are demons out there. But we have authority over them. We have authority. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We have, we are complete. Uh, let's go back to Colossians. We are complete in him which is the head over all principality and power. We are complete in Jesus. And in Jesus, we have authority over all principality and power. Yes, the demons are out there. But I'm not here to magnify Satan. I'm here to magnify Jesus. Does that make sense? We need to know who we are. And we need to renew our mind in Jesus. 
I want to spend some time here in Ephesians. The, uh, later on, I want to actually teach a message on the book of Ephesians. I believe Paul illustrates in Ephesians as the, uh, Christ, as the, I believe, the, let me say this again, sorry, I'm chopping up my words. I believe the book of Ephesians is, uh, if I could put it in one little phrase, it's about the victorious church. In chapters 1 through 3, Paul talks about our glorified position in Christ. In the first three chapters, he's talking about our glorified position in Christ. We're going we're to touch on that in just a moment, a little bit. But then in chapters 4 and 5, he talks about us walking out and out based on our position in Christ. And then in chapter 6, he talks about having done all the stand, stand. And, and we we'll, we'll probably won't get into all that this today. But let me just uh, start this off by uh, going to Ephesians chapter 2. So we're going to do a little fast journey to the book of Ephesians this morning. But I want to kick it off by this verse, verse 5, chapter 2, verse 5, Ephesians 2, 5. It says, even when we were dead in sins. Uh, sorry, I want to go back to the New King James. I don't know how I keep going back to King James. But even when, we, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. There's a lot here. I'm not gonna, this is not going to be a very detailed uh, overscope of our, um, um, Ephesians. But let me just point this out. We were once dead in, in our trespasses and sins. But he has made us alive together with Christ. It's a work of grace. Him making us alive together with Christ was not based on something we did. He did it. He made us alive. And it's by His grace that we are alive in Christ Jesus. But verse 6 says, And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places. Where? In Christ Jesus. He made us he made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together. There's a key word that keeps coming up, together. We've been made alive. We've been, we've been made to be raised up together and we've been made to sit with him in heavenly places. You know, we read this verse and we've read it through the years. I've read it many times through the years. But God has given you <coughs> a glorified position in Christ. I want you to hear that again. God has given you, already given you, a glorified position where? In Christ. We're talking about in Christ realities. And when did this happen? When did we become alive in Christ? When did we become raised in Christ? When did we sit with Him in Christ? When you believed on Jesus. When you believed on Jesus, you were put and you were positioned into a glorified position in Christ Jesus. Let that sink in. In other words, I'm trying to paint a picture here as we get started walking through the book of Ephesians here. You start, when you became born again, you start from a place of victory. When you became born again, 
you start from a position of victory. You're not trying to become victorious. You started there. That's where you start. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's huge. Right, am I making sense this morning? We're not trying to get victory. We are in victory in Christ Jesus. <coughs> Renew your mind to that. Focus on that. Meditate on that. I don't know what you're going through. If you're going through something physically, financially, every which way, but you are in victory in Christ Jesus. How did you get there? You got there by believing on Jesus. The moment you were born again, you were positioned in victory. Whether you're talking about finances, whether you're talking about health, whether you're talking about relationship, whether you're talking about effectiveness, whether you're talking about being free from addiction and all kinds of things of this world, you started from a place of victory the moment you became born again. I'm making sense this morning. That's where we're starting. We're not getting there. We start there. And neither we knew your mind to that. If you don't think you started from a place of victory, then you need to remind your mind you're thinking wrong. You need to repent, change the way you're thinking. And realign your mind to what the Word of God says you are. I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care what anyone else says. If the Word of God says you are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that's where you are. And it's time for your circumstances to line up to what's true. Because that's where you are. You were given this position of victory by grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't merit it. You weren't worthy of it. But he made you sit together with him. And it's not by something you did. You start, from be, you start from being seated in victory. A total work of grace. But it's not something you did. Now because you are in Christ, you were able to walk it out in this earth. You start there... But because you are in Christ, you can walk this victory out in your life. That makes sense? See, many people got this backwards. Well, let me, let me finish my thought. <clears throat> let me say what I just said again. Now, because you are in Christ, you're able to walk it out in this earth. And when you walk it out in this earth, you stand against the devil. And sickness, and every which way, addiction, finances. See, many people flip this around. Many people think that you stand against the devil so that you can walk it out. So if you walk it out, you will gain a position in victory. No, that's backwards. You start from a place of victory so that you can walk it out. And as you walk it out, you stand against the devil. We submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees. We don't start with resisting the devil. We start with submitting to God. How do you submit? When a boss at work tells me what to do, I submit to it. <coughs> when my parents tell me what to do, I submit to it. <clears throat> I know I had some challenges at times. If they're listening, they probably would agree with that. But I'm supposed to, to do what they say. That's the way it's supposed to work. And it didn't end so well when I did it. But my point is, 
God says you are healed. By his stripes you were healed. Submit to that and based on that walking out and resist the devil. You are blessed in heavenly places. You have victory. Sin should not have dominion over you. Submit to it. Walk it out and resist the devil. You can't resist the devil in your own strength. But you can when you're sitting together with Christ. Christ. He's your big brother. He's the firstborn of many brethren. He's your daddy. He's your big... I mean, you ever get in fights in school? Or arguments? I'm going to tell my dad. I'm going to tell your dad. I, you know, we always compare dads and, and, and brothers. I don't hope that makes sense. Maybe I'm the only way to do this. My dad better than your dad. My dad better than your dad. Well, we have the king of kings. There's no place for fighting in the church. But the enemy is out to kill, still destroy. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it to the full. Am I making sense? So what we're talking about here in, in Ephesians is we first sit with him. But chapters 1 and 3. Chapters 4 and 5, we walk with him. And chapter 6, we stand. Sit, walk, stand. We have to learn to sit first. Why don't we learn to sit? Just like a baby learns to sit before it begins to walk. Or we learn to walk, we learn to stand in victory. Make sense? With the full number of God. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. It's not going to be a verse by verse study. But I start with verse 17. It says, Paul's praying a prayer. He says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is saying that God wants you to be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He wants you to be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. That's why my heart is a pastor. That's why we do what we do in, in Sunday mornings, Bible studies, and our Bible classes are free online. I want you to, 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 to be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And you already got to get that by the Word of God. And we've made things available to you. We've made things available. It's not exhaustive. But I think, I think it's some of the best teaching on the planet. The heart of it all is not to motivate us, is not to, to promote us. The heart of it all is that you could be filled through the spirit of revelation and knowledge and, 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 and the knowledge of Him. I think I've chopped that up. That you might be filled to the, to, with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. And I make it sense. Our purpose, our mission of this church is to enable others to become established in their identity, equipped in His Word, so that He might be empowered to fulfill their destiny. Everything we do circles around that. Verse 18, And the eyes of your understanding become, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Verse 19, And and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. 
He's seated on the right hand of the heavenly places, and we're seated together with him. We just read that in verse 5 of chapter 2. There's many things I can glean from what we just read here in verses 18 to 20, but let me just uh, highlight four things for you real quick from these four verses. God wants you to know who he is. He wants to be, that's point one. I'm making these four verses right here, verses 17 to 20. Four things I'm trying to bring out. First one is this. I want, God wants you to know who he is. And with that, underneath that, is just a sub-point, he wants you to understand his glorified position. God has been raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of Almighty God. And we are seated with him. We're going to get that in a minute. But God wants you to know, first one, he wants to know who he is. The second thing is, God wants you to understand what he's called you to do. We're going to look at that in just a moment. More clearly. You need to know who he is first. And you need to know what he's called you to do. We're going to look at that in just a moment. The third point I want to make in this section right here. Is that God wants you to know what he has invested in you. It says here in verse 18. Uh, I want to read this again. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. There's a calling. We're going to look at this calling. That, that's my second point. There's something that God has called you to do. There's a hope to his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his, of his inheritance? It's God's inheritance. And where is that inheritance, church? It's in the saints. God has invested something in you. His inheritance is in you. God has called you to do something, but he has inherited you with something to do. He's given you the power. God has invested something in you. Now, does God invest in something that's not going to have a good return? God knows what he's doing. God has invested his glory in you. There's a sub-point to what I just said. Not only that God invested something in you, but so that you can do what he has called you to do. God has invested something in you so you can do what he has called you to do. We want to find out what he's called you to do, but he's invested his glory in you so that you can do it. That makes sense. Fourth point. God wants you to know that Satan Verse 19 says, and what is the seat and greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, God wants you to know that power. There's that power that is going to enable you to do what God has called you to do. But you need to know who he is. You need to know what he's called you to do. You need to know what he's invested in you. And you need to know his power. Amen. He's the head. We are the body of Christ. We are the fullness of Him. We are complete in Him. See, where's Jesus today? He's at the right hand of the Father. Now He's omnipresent, so He's in a sense He can say everywhere. He's in you. You're in Him. But he's at the right hand of the Father. And where are you? In Christ. Who's at the right hand of the Father?
Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and you are in him. He is the head, you are the body, and you together collectively are the fullness of him who carries out all things. Go read real quick there, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Just want to make a little side point here. Acts 1 1 says, the point that Luke is writing, because Luke is the one who wrote Acts, and Acts, just so you know, is a sequel to the book of Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. And Luke is writing, he says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began spoke to do and to teach. Luke is writing the book of Acts after the cross. Of all the things that Jesus began both to do and to teach, Jesus is still doing things. Jesus is still teaching things. And how is he doing that? Through you. The church. This is the Acts of the Apostles. This is the birth of the church. We're going to read that in the book of Acts. But Jesus is still teaching. He's still healing the sick. He's still doing miracles through his church, through his body. He's the head. But we are the full, we have the fullness of the Godhead in us. We are complete in Him. We're not just complete in Him so we can go to heaven. Praise God for that. We're complete in Him because we have a hope of this calling. There's a job to do. He's invested Himself into us, His Spirit. He's invested everything into us so that we and we have given us His power to go and do great and mighty things. Church, we are the head. We are the we are Haggai chapter two verse four says this that we have the desire of all nations. Everything, all the nations desire put together. Riches, health, fame, other things, of, you know, happiness, fulfillment. All of that is in Jesus. And we have the desire of all nations. In We're in, we, are in, we are in him and he is in us. And we, we need to know who he is. We need to know what we've been called to do. We need to know what's invested into us. And we need to know the greatness of his power. Fast forward to me then in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1. I therefore, Paul speaking, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which which you were called. I love that. You can also translate this word calling as invitation. We've been invited. We've been called to do something. And we, we're talking about, again, we're talking about in Christ reality, but we've been talking about, uh, we've been talking about the first third of this, uh, of this series about discovering our identity. Then we've been talking about renewing our mind. Now we're talking about walking it out. Well, we need to walk worthy of who we've been called in Christ Jesus. There is a calling. There's a vocation. There is an invitation. And we need to, and Paul is beseeching us to walk worthy of that calling, which we were, we were called. We've already been called. It's time to walk worthy. It's time to do it. Again, we've been called to do something as a, as a church. We've been called to do something as the body of Christ. You were not, I'm trying to paint a picture to you. You were not just called to live your own life. You weren't born again. You weren't saved just so you could live your own life 
for your family in America. Praise God for family. Praise God for your life. And I believe in many, many ways I can tie it up all in that God has put desires and a vision and a destiny in your heart for you, your family, your loved ones. But it's way bigger than that. Am I making sense? I want to come back to Ephesians, but real quick, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, meaning we come to this conclusion that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. There's a lot here, and I've taught him this many times, but I'm just trying to echo what I just said that God did not just save you for yourself. You're not living for yourself, you're living for Him. Does that make sense? You are where seated in Him in heavenly places. You are in Christ. You died. We put off the old man, and in the spirit of mind, we put off the new man. We died. The old man's dead, Romans 6. We're not living for ourselves anymore. If your vision is just for you and your family, your vision is too small. Praise God. I'm, I'm not trying to attack any visions for you and your family. I'm not saying they won't be fulfilled I don't, and whatnot, but if that's all your scope and your, your vision is, it's way too small. God has a vision for you, your purpose in, your, in you and your family. I don't believe we're supposed to be so heavily minded we neglect our family. No. Paul talks a lot about that. We need to minister to our family. And there's a proper pecking order for that. But it's not just about you for no more. That is not biblical, that is not scriptural. God didn't save you so you can live your own life. But God does want to bless your family. God, some people have neglected their families, and, and I teach against that. I don't want to get off on this subject. But am I making sense this morning? I want the, I want God's opinion on my life to matter. I want the right, perfect, the good, perfect will of God for me, my life, and my family. I don't want the traditions of men that make the word of God of no effect. I want God's purpose for my life. Does that make sense? In proper balance, proper, in proper perspective. You were born again, folks. Church, you were born again to change the world. There's a lot of things going on in our world. There's a big stir going on in our country, our state, even California, here in the world. We were saved to change the world. We should be making a difference. We should be making the devil nervous. Jump down to verse 7. Ephesians 4, 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. There's a lot here, but I'm just, again, God has given you the same grace He's given me. To each one, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Jump down to verse 17. Don't get dizzy as I scroll down. Ephesians 4, 17 says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. We're talking about walking this out. Who we are in Christ. 
we're renewing our mind to who we are in Christ. We're now talking about who we're walking out. And Paul says this, I, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles, right? as the rest of the world walks in the futility of their mind. We should be different, church. He actually says, and if you back forward, I'm not going to turn there, but in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, that's how you used to walk. We used to walk in fertility of mind. We used to walk like the devil. We used to act like the devil. Because that's who we used to be. But before you became born again. But you are not there anymore. That's not who you are anymore. So stop walking by the devil. Stop walking by the world. You're not in the world. You're not of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. Don't walk like unbelievers. That's not who you are. That make sense? <coughs> we need to know who we are. We need to renew our mind to who we are. We need to walk like who we are. In Christ. Verse 18. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. I believe verse 18 is a very good definition of spiritual death. They're just blinded. They're ignorant. They're alienated from the life of God. That's a good definition of what someone who is unsaved looks like. Okay? And they have ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. But there's only one way to remove that veil, that blindness, as it is to preach Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14. I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. Verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Some of your translations will probably use the word lasciviousness. Lewdness. Now, people don't, people, let me just say this. People don't just become like this. They have to give themselves to this type of lifestyle over a period of time. And maybe that's how they grew up, how they raised, or their circle of influence. But they were influenced. They were brainwashed. They were, they, 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 uh, they were taught to be that. They had to give themselves over to these things. We don't have to give ourselves over to this. We don't have to give ourselves over to lewdness and uncleanness and, any, and, and all this stuff. That's not who we are. That's who we were. We didn't know better, but we know better now. It goes up to be, and, and I've taught him this so many times, but that is right prerequisite to what he says is, but you have not so learned Christ. You haven't learned to be like that. You've learned Christ. If you need, you've heard and have been taught by him as the truth of the Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct. The King James says, former conversation of the old man, which goes corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on a new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I've spoken many times in verses 20 to 24, but it's right after verses 18 and 19. We are not in spiritual darkness. We're not blinded. We have so learned Christ. We don't walk like the world. Because we have put off the old man, and the spirit of mind we have put in the new man, who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We don't walk like the devil, because we're not like the devil. We are born again. We are in Christ. We are a brand new creation. And we don't have to live like that way anymore. We've been called to make a difference. 
in this world. And we cannot make a difference in this world if we're, if we're living like the world. We're different. We are lighthouse discipleship center for a reason so that we will be a beacon of light. You can't be a beacon of light if you're walking in darkness. It's time to shine the light. We are the light of the world. The light has come. We just celebrated that Christmas time. As we go into the new year, let's celebrate. Let's be who we are. Let's make a difference. Don't walk like the Gentiles walk. Begin to live like you really are in Jesus Christ. That's my main thing I'm trying to get across in this section of my message. Skip on down to chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Be imitators of God. Be like your father. Be like your daddy. <clears throat> Mimic God. Act like he is. Act like you're his child. Does that make sense? Because you are a child of God, you have the life of God. You have the nature of God. You have the power of God. You have the ability of God. You have the spirit of God. You have the fullness of the Godhead bodily in you. Live like you really are. Walk in love. We're talking about walking this out. Walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself to us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. You know, when we're loving one another, it is awesome. When we are stinky, it stinks. If you live like the devil, you're going to smell like the devil. If you live like God, you're going to smell like a sweet smelling aroma. But you need to know who he is. He's love. You need to know what he's called you to do. Love one another. You need to know what he's investing in you. His nature. His spirit. So you can walk in love. You need to know his power. The power of his love. You can't love. You can't walk in love in your own strength. But you can. In him, I can do all things in Christ. Who gives me strength? We need to walk in love. If you understand how God, good God is, why are you always angry? Why are you always complaining? The fact is, we don't really understand it at times. Or, we, or we're not renewing our mind to the truth. If we're always in anger, if we're always complaining, if we're always depressed, if we're always attacking, if we're always murmuring complaining, then we have not got a revelation of God's love and His nature of who He is and who we are in Him. We might know it. We might know the scriptural facts. But we haven't renewed our mind to it. How do I know? Because the, the, I can see the fruit in your attitude, your life, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. James says, well, out of one lips, out of the same mouth, we bless God and we curse man. Butter see things ought not to be so. Out of the same waters can't come bitter waters and sweet waters. They can't be that way. We need to renew our mind to who we are in Christ Jesus. Don't be conformed to this world. This world is complaining. This world talks negative about everything. But we are the children of God. 
We are the children of light. We are the children of the day. Ephesians 5, verse 2 to 5. Start verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let, us not, let it not even be named among you, as it is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting for, rather giving thanks. For this you know, that no fornication or candidate or unclean person or covetous man who is an adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Paul says, if you want to, keep and use your inheritance. Don't live like the devil. Live like who you really are. You have an inheritance. But if you want to use it, then stop living like the devil. Live like who you are. Does that make sense? We're not like that anymore. We don't need that anymore. If you are in Christ, then start laughing like you are his child. And you can only do this by the Spirit of God, the power of God. We love because he first loved us. Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Don't be deceived. How many know the enemy's biggest weapon is deception? And the first thing he is going to deceive you is did God really say? Questioning you his word and questioning your identity in him. That's not who you are. You act different. You talk different. Okay? You behave different. Therefore, verse 7, do not be partakers with them. Don't act like them. Don't be partakers with them. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Act like you really are. Don't partake in it. Let the word of God, let the word, let the, the God who is in you live through you. That make sense? We have to make a choice. We have to make choices. We have to allow God be true in us. Never made a liar. I don't need to live like the world. I don't need to behave like the world. I don't need to respond like the world. I want the Spirit of God. But you know what? It's going to be hard to do everything I'm trying to teach right here in this little section of the message if we are not renewing our mind. If we don't have a good diet of the Word of God, if we if the, the Word of God is not our number one diet for the, versus the information of this world, we're going to have a very hard time walking this out. We need to abide in Him. We need to have a relationship. We need to have a good, healthy diet of the Word of God, good teaching, good influence, and good fellowship. We need to be steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking the bread and prayer if we're going to walk this out. If you're going to try to do this on your own strength, you're going to be frustrated. There's no way you can do this without His strength. And if, this, if, if you know this, you know scriptural facts, you know this will be true, but your, your number one diet day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month, year in the era, is the information, the same information of the world, but it's very little uh, good truth. You're going to have a very hard time processing this. That makes sense? Because you're, you're abiding in the world. You know the Word of God, but you're not abiding in God. You're abiding in the world. You might not see it that way. You might not think it that way. That might not be your motive, but that's your actions. And you're, you're plugged into Facebook. You're plugged into all the different I use Facebook, but I use it not to get involved in the world. I get to proclaim Christ. I don't use it enough, but I'm going to get back into that. 
I'm here to shine a light. I'm here to be different. I'm not here to get into all the other junk that's out there. That makes sense? I'm different. Why? Because I'm in Christ. Not because I'm more special than any of you. I'm not more special. I don't, I'm not always the brightest crayon in the crayon box. I'm not always the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I'm in Christ. And I know who he is. I know what he's called me to do. I know uh, his, his, his inheritance in me. I know uh, uh, his power. And I can't do any of this without his strength. There's nothing special about me, but there is something special about me in Christ. I was worth dying for, so were you. Am I making sense? Verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now... Once now, now, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We're talking about walking in them. You were once darkness, but now, everything Paul just said, he said, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You not will be light, you are light in the Lord. You're not light yourself, you're light in the Lord. Walk as Children of light. That's huge. It is natural for those who are not born again to live like the devil. But you are not natural. You're supernatural. You're born again. You were, you're born again. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. <coughs> and because you're born again, because you are in Christ Jesus, you have the spirit of Christ in you. You have the life of God in you. You have the nature of Jesus Christ in you. You have the, the love of God in you. You have the peace of God in you. You have the patience of God in you. You have the temperance of God in you. You have the fullness of His Spirit in you. You have the fruit of His Spirit in you. Now you are the light. You are the children of the light. Walk as children of light. Live like you really are. You can't live like you really are if you haven't, don't know who you are and you haven't renewed your mind to who you are. And folks, I'm not just saying you renew your mind now and it's going to be peachy clean the rest of the way forward. You need to renew your mind daily. Every moment, every hour, you need to renew your mind. We have to detox from this world and get plugged back into the, the nature of God, the Word of God. We have to do that daily. It's not a one-time thing. It's something you need to do every day. Your life depends on it. Verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. If it's not good, if it's not right, if it's not true, don't partake in it. Stay away from it. I read again. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. If... If it's not good, if it's not right, and it's not true, don't partake in it. Stay away from it. Verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I don't think anyone who gets born again is walking 100% in the will of God automatically. You have to walk it out. You need to be plugged into the vine. You need to have a relationship with the Father. It is a word. Ephesians 5, 11, verse 11. 
and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. There's some things, folks, that are not producing fruit. They're not healthy. They're not good. They're not producing life. And we need to stop associating with it. Am I making sense? There's some things that we need to prune out of our lives. Our, out of our daily diet and routine. Because if, they, if we don't, they will suck the life right out of you. That makes sense? There's something different about them. But light, light reproves darkness. Light exposes the darkness. I want to sidetrack real quick there. John chapter 3. We'll come back to Ephesians. Verse 15. So the, the first part is will sound very familiar. But just hear this out. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, and he says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his will into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and man loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. That's huge. You know, I just have never really noticed that passage of Scripture. I've known uh, verses 16 and 17 and whatnot. But some people want to stay in the dark. Have you ever experienced that? Some people just want to stay in the dark. That they have... Not everyone is here. Let me just say it this way. Not everyone is here to love you. You're not here to please people. You're here to please God. Let your light so shine. Some people will hate the light. And because they hate the light, they will hate you. That's not... That, I hurt for them. But we need to understand that. Not everyone is going to want the light. Some people want to stay in the darkness. We still love them. We still preach the truth. We don't back down. But we... We get in here and not everyone's going to embrace the light. That's just a matter of fact. And our, but that doesn't change our message. That doesn't change our walk. That doesn't change who we are. We don't apologize for being in the light. We are in the light. We are not in darkness. We don't live like that. We don't compromise. Am I making sense? Going back to Ephesians chapter 5, again, verse 14. He says, Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Verse 15. See then, that you walk circumspectly, 
not as fools, but as wise. Walk circumspectly. We've been talking, we're talking about walking the out. We know who we are. We, we've been renewing our mind. Now we're talking about walking out who we are in Christ. And Paul is exhorting us, among other things, walk circumspectly. Here's, here are some other translations. The NIV says, walk carefully. Be alert. Be sober-minded. I'm not talking about drunkenness, even though that could apply. I'm talking about minded. How many know the, the, in the book of James, also in the book of Proverbs, it talks about being sober-minded. Because the devil is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. How many of you know that when you're going through things, when you're going through things in life just on a daily basis, sometimes you just have a rough day, sometimes, sometimes hell all breaks loose, we can get very intoxicated in our minds. You ever been stressed out? You've ever been perplexed? You ever been worried about something? You've ever been troubled in your heart? We need to be sober-minded. Okay? Applebaum uses these words. Instead of circumspectly, he talks about, it says, live purposefully. Walk worthily. Walk accurately. In other words, be who you are. We are living on purpose. We're not just living. We're not just, we don't have a purpose. No, we have a destiny. We have a purpose. We have a calling. Walk worthy of it. Walk circumspectly. Now, this word circumspectly also sounds like the word circumcision in some ways. And circumcision to the Jews means it meant a covenant with God. It meant being marked out by God. It meant that they had a future. So if we're going to walk circumspectively, walk like we have a covenant with God. Walk like you are marked with, by God. Walk like you're chosen by God. Walk like you have a destiny. Walk like you have a hope. Walk like you have a goal. Walk like you have a future. Walk as the children of light. Walk circumspectively. Walk as Jesus is living on the inside of you with purpose. Am I making sense this morning? Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Church, we need to redeem the time. Yes, the days are evil. We get that. <coughs> That's evident. <coughs> Scripture says it would be. Scripture says they are. But we need to redeem the time. We need to walk circumspectively. We need to use our time wisely. And we need to use it for the good. We need to stop being complacent. We need to stop being lazy. We need to stop being concerned just about us. We need to start being the church of Jesus Christ. We're not making sense. But we're never going to do that if we don't have a good diet. We're not going to do that if we don't abide in Him. We don't want to do that if we don't have, uh, uh, be steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, and to prayer, I mean, breaking bread and prayers. We're not going to do that if we don't have a good diet. We don't got to do that if we're not renewing our mind to who we are in Christ Jesus. That make sense? Church, there's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of garbage out there that you can get involved in that is unproductive, it's unfruitful. It won't produce a harvest in your life. But you don't have to go there. You don't have to participate. That is not who you are. Verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Again, that stands very much like Romans chapter 12. 
Do what you know to do. God will reveal to you more if you need to know more. But do what you know to do. Today is a day of salvation. Know Him today. You're not going to know what He wants you to do if you don't have a relationship with Him. And if He hasn't shared with you more, then you, need, you know all that you need to know about the matter until He tells you more. If you're, if you're, I want to say that again because I don't want that to get missed. If you are having a good relationship with God, if you if you've seen that there can be room for improvement in your relationship with God, then do it. Go there. Prioritize it. But if you uh, if you are seeking the Lord, you just know there's no guile. You just know that He is just number one. He, you're seeking Him day in and day out. You, you know that He's Lord of your life. And you're seeking His will. Then, then be content in knowing you know. Just walk out. Live faithful in what you know. Until he reveals more. And when you need to know more, you will. But if, if that's all you know, then you need, have everything you need to know in the matter until God reveals more. He guides us step by step. He guides us by his spirit. He guides us unto all truth. That makes sense? But we have a good diet. We have a good relationship. Then we're fine. Sometimes he's not going to tell you more until you need to know more. It's okay. Because some of us, our brains will explode. We know too much. We can't handle it. Okay? But knowing the will of God is not that hard. Some of us make it a hard thing, but it's really not that hard. If you do some of the basic things, there are other things that will come. Have a relationship with God. Have a good, healthy diet. Now, when you, I talk about diet, and I'm talking about the whole diet of the apostles' doctrine, uh, uh, fellowship and whatnot. I'm talking about having a personal time with God, but also fellowship time. When you have a diet, do you just eat one day a week? You're like, you know, hey, I mean, it's Wednesday. I ate Sunday. I don't know why I'm tired and dragging today. I ate Sunday. I mean, we had a good meal. It was so good. Oh, I eat every day. Once in a while, we fast, but I eat every day. And uh. You know, same thing spiritually. You can't just be a Sunday Christian and expect to be okay all day. You need the Word of God. You need a relationship with God. You ever have a marriage or relationship where you just meet once a week? It doesn't work. Someone's going to be in the doghouse. Okay? It's not going to work that way. You need a good, healthy diet. You need a relationship with God. But if you have a relationship with God, you will know the perfect will of God. It will flow. And other things will come. If you have a relationship with God, it will flow. Because, church, you have a relationship with God. You are a child of God. You are in His family. He loves you. He has a good will for you. Walk in relationship with Him, and you will know the good and making sense this morning. Verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine in which, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't, in other words, don't get foolish now. Don't get into weirdness. Don't get into all this weird stuff. In verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. No. 
I know this is speaking about speaking to one another, but sometimes we need to speak to ourselves. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in the hearts of the Lord. Some of you need to talk to yourself. And I'm not talking about complaining and griping and, and being critical. We need to pray in the Spirit. We need to do as Jude says in verse 20. We need to build ourselves in our most holy faith. Yes, you can push yourselves too hard. Yes, you need to guard yourself against that. But we need to encourage ourselves. We need to encourage one another. And we need to, we need to be in fellowship where we can be encouraged by one another. I mean, you know, in this world we get beat up. We need to have a good body of believers where we encourage. You will not grow. You will not mature if you don't have healthy fellowship in your life. It just it just can't happen. It needs to be part of your diet. Verse 20. Giving thanks all, always for all things. Not just some things. Not just the things you like. But giving thanks to God for all things. To God the Father in the name of the, our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Give thanks always. Be thankful. Church, we have something to be thankful for. God is good to all. I want to talk real quick to Psalm 145. Verse 9. Which says, The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Get you, get up, and up, in other words, church, Sometimes, some of you, some of us, we need to just get over ourselves. And start looking at what you have versus looking at what you don't have. Sometimes we just need to change our perspective and get our eyes off the problem, get our eyes off what we don't have, and get our eyes what we do have. Get, in other words, we need to get our eyes on Jesus, the Father. Thank God, rejoice. As Paul says, and again I say, rejoice. Christ is your source. Include, as I close this section of our study together until next week, I just want to end with these words. Walk worthy of your calling. Walk like you are marked by God. Walk like you have a destiny. Walk like God has something for you in your life. Walk like you have a covenant relationship with God. Live like you are who you really are. Recognize who is living on the inside of you. And let Jesus live his life through you. And you'll make a difference in this world. I believe the day will come if you will walk in a relationship with God as I'm trying to, to preach and teach in this message. The day will come that you'll have so much fruit hanging on your tree that people will come say this is Jesus. This is God. I want to conclude with two verses this morning. Third John, verse 4. John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. There's no greater joy than seeing others, Christians, other people, other children and brothers and sisters of Christ walking in the truth. I have no greater joy. It breaks my heart when I see people not walking the truth and they're, they're struggling when they don't need to. But I have no greater joy than seeing people walking the truth. Does that make sense? That's my prayer for you. I want to 
concludes this message and conclude, I mean, this series, and this, I mean, this section, and we'll come back and at least one or two more times before this series is done. But I want to switch just gears here for a moment as we kind of not only end the service this morning, but also as we conclude the 2019. Psalm 65, verse 11. It says, You crown the year with your goodness. And your past drip with abundance. <clears throat> you know, uh, earlier this week, I was driving to go see a friend of mine at the hospital. And I guess earlier I was praying over the offerings uh, came to the port this year. And I'm thinking about 2020 and what's coming ahead. And most of you have been partnering with this. You know, see a, a letter come to you. Uh, later this week, or early next week. And the biggest, the, the, the word I've just been resounding my heart over the last year, almost two years now, is just increase. Increase in so many different ways in our church and ministry so that we can reach more people and we can give everybody the same opportunity you have to, to walk everything out that we've been talking about in this, this series. Knowing who you are in Christ being renewed in mind to who you are in Christ and walking it out. How many of you are glad of the revelation you have of Christ? Our mission in this church is to help others to become established in their identity, equipped with his word, and empowered to live their destiny. And I want to see increase. We need some resources to make our even our live stream better. I see us in a building in the future. I see more people come in being part of this team. I see increase. But I was praying along these lines as I was driving to the hospital in Orange County on, uh, earlier this week. I don't forget what day it was. And my wife and I, when we minister, a lot of times we, uh, she flows real fluently with interpretation of tongues. And a lot of times we're together, but in this case we were not. She was at uh, her work, her job, and I was uh, driving to go see a friend in the hospital. And I'm praying, I'm praying along these lines, thanking God for increase, thanking God for the future, thanking God for meeting our needs and the desires of our heart to fulfill what God has put on our heart to do. And so then I did what I, we normally do when we're together, and I, I prayed in the Spirit. Prayed in the Spirit for a while on the way. And I just even had to stop, and I'm saying, Lord, even here now, I'm sure you guys know what I'm doing, what I'm praying about, and what not, but I just pray that you just even give her an interpretation of what I'm praying and tongues about. And because uh, God's not limited by space, He's not limited by ge geography or whatnot. And uh, so she can be part of this, it's not just me, but us on the same page. And God gave her a word. And I forget the verbatim uh, what exactly that word is, I probably could look at my phone. But she was reading out of Matthew about the, 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 the parable of the talents when the, when the master came back and said, I believe that's essentially what it was, but anyway. Uh, but, it's not, uh, but anyway, but the, anyway, I might have the reference wrong. She gave me a, a, a nod. I had the reference wrong, but I know it was in Matthew. But this was the revelation she had. We had to do it with abundance. Get ready for abundance. Get ready for abundance. And I know there was a little bit more to that message, but get ready for abundance. You'll see. I have that word in the letter that's coming out. But get ready for abundance. Exactly what I was praying for, exactly what has been on my heart in this letter, exactly what's going to happen this new year. 
and just with a confirmation when that was very powerful for us. But this word verse says, you, you crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. And my prayer is not just for us. I'm just sharing a little testimony about us. But my heart is for you. My heart is for you. And that this year will be a year of abundance. Whether it be health, whether it be finances, whatever it might be. But it is a year of abundance. We have a good God. And he has crowned your year with goodness. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what other people say. God has crowned your year with goodness. Amen? And may we rest in his goodness knowing that he has taken care of everything. So with that, I just pray, Lord, I just speak your blessing on each of these people who are listening. Whether here with us or whether they be online listening to this or even a recording later. And I just proclaim your blessing of abundance on this new year. Thank you for life. I thank you for abundance in their relationship with you. I thank you for the abundance and blessings on their families and their loved ones. I thank you for abundance on the blessing of their finances and their health will be just vibrant with life. I thank you for abundance in the relationships of various kinds, whether it be marriage, whether it be a parent-child relationship, or relatives, or friendships, or employer-employee relationships, all kinds of relationships of all kinds. I speak your abundance of everything. I thank you for your goodness. That your your goodness, that your uh, it's just our paths are being dripping. It's just overflowing with abundance. And I just thank you for that. You are a good God. We are blessed and we are not cursed. We are above and not beneath. We are a lender of many and borrower of none. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are the children of God. We are the children of the day. We are the children of light. And we thank you for that. I speak your blessing on the rest of this day and the rest of this year and what's left of it. Thank you for the blessing for that new and vibrant, abundant new year. Thank you, Lord. We glorify you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6. Be around. God bless you. Happy New Year.